Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Pablo Rocille. Welcome to my first episode of Backstage with Becca B with special guest, producer, and music arranger of Swinging with the Mouse, Pablo Rocille. <laughs> so, um, when was the first time you heard of Rockwell and what was the first show you ever took part in there? So the first time I heard about Rockwell, I think it was when I went to see um, one of the For the Record shows. I think it was Robert Zemeckis. Um, I had a teacher that was playing, that was a music director uh, and did the arrangements for that then and um he invited a bunch of his students to go check it out and i thought it was amazing uh and then the first time i actually performed there was for one of the rocky horror shows that they would do okay who was the um person who was involved in for the record it was chris Breton. okay chris Breton, yeah yeah very talented dude very very talented um there are very few pianists that you could like hear an orchestra or a band playing when they're playing alone and he's one of them he's very good for the record was my introduction to la theater as well how would you describe rockwell table and stage to someone who doesn't know anything about it sure so rockwell table and stage is a cabaret space in la if you don't know i mean you know of course but <laughs> people that don't know um it's a cabaret space that uh, sort of doubles as a as a theater that that serves dinner as well. Um, we have a bunch of different kinds, a bunch of different kinds of acts that come through there. Um, again, cabaret. Uh, we have scripted shows. We have uh, bands play there. Uh, we've had comedians come in. We have a stand-up show every month. Um, so it's it's sort of a room for varied acts. Uh, the most uh, popular one, if you will, is the the parody series that we do, which is uh, currently called the Rockwell Musical Parody Series, um, where we take big uh, named uh, properties and we sort of lovingly um, take a stab at, at the comedy that lives in them. And we pull out some really funny situations out of otherwise dramatic or outdated things <laughs> um it, this kind that kind of ties into one of my other questions which without giving anything like any future projects away hmm. uh what's uh a movie that you want to turn into a parody or that you think sure. would be a parody? so this one i have said a million times um and you know people agree to it and or people agree with me about it but it never comes to be and there are stuff that sort of bumps it out of the way because there are things that are a better idea than this but <laughs> i really want to see final destination happen um i think there are a lot of very silly deaths in that and a lot there's a lot of uh there are a lot of opportunities to to make fun of how silly that premise is um do you think that uh people who haven't seen maybe a lot of the movies that are made into parodies would understand these parodies. Yeah, it is our objective to entertain. That's the most important part of the night, to have fun. So we don't really, it's not 
the aim is not to entertain specifically the people that like those movies. We just happen to be using certain titles that are well known. Um, the The objective is to have everybody laugh a couple times and enjoy the awesome singing. Um, we have some very talented performers, some very talented creators that put the show together. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Nathan Moore. He's very good at making sure that um, the story is understood by by anybody. You don't have to. You didn't have to see a full season of Stranger Things to get the plot of our show when we did Stranger Things. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's very much thanks to Nathan and and the people like him. Yeah, because I remember uh, asking if I would understand Stranger Things before I saw it, and uh, there and Nathan was like, "Yeah, even if you like, you haven't seen the show." And yeah, I, like, I, I never saw the show before before seeing the Rockwell version, and then okay. I saw the Rockwell version like 20-something times, that was like <laughs> right when I got hired, so there was an overlap of me being a super fan and like <laughs> here, but um, you know, I, I saw it a bunch of times, and then about six months later, I saw the show itself. And I was like, I've seen this before. Like everything, <laughs> everything that took 10 hours in the first season took maybe an hour and a half, two hours at yeah. the rock ball. Well, and then you start placing songs where they're supposed to right. go in the plot. Yeah, yeah. I'm good yeah. at doing that after I see a parody and haven't seen the movie and then go watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, did you always uh, picture yourself getting involved in theater? No. Um, I always, I did enjoy it. I think my first show must have been like the Magic School Bus Live or something. It was one of those, like, one of the, or maybe like one of the traveling like Christmas carols that come to your school. I don't, I don't remember what my first show was. Blasphemy, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, love this and I don't even know. Um, but I, I always have had um, a reason to be on stage, maybe not theatrically, but I've been like, I've been musical most of my life and I've been in the, in the um, limelight of my little communities, at least, <laughs> um, for my whole life. I've always loved it. I've always loved it. And it took a while for me to get to theater itself, but uh, when I got there, it just, it took off for me. It, it took off in my heart. And thinking about it, I don't think Magic School Bus is that weird because I think my first show was probably like the Barney and Friends show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, they their purpose. They their purpose. <laughs> I just remember, what was it? There was a scene where they had to jump in a toilet. They were like shrunken and they like jumped into a toilet. <laughs> Wait, how did they, how did they do that on stage? <laughs> it was a massive toilet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when did you like really discover your passion for uh, theater and performing and producing and all, all that? Yeah, so theater itself, what woke me up, I think, was the Rent movie. Um, I was like, this is cool. I'm going to look into <laughs> this. And then I started looking into it and I fell for it. I was a trumpet major in college. I was a trumpet performance major and um, maybe a year into, because I did college and high school sort of at the same time. I did community college and high school. 
so like my third year into college, I was like, I'm gonna take a trip to New York and audition for the Glee Project too. <laughs> and I went, and that was my first time I'd ever gone to New York. And I saw, I think, seven shows in six days. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you gotta do that. Right? You gotta do that. When yeah, you're... when we don't live there, it's like yeah. we have to go. Um, so I spent every moment I could in a theater, in a theater. And when I came back, I sort I just dropped everything and and Googled musical theater schools. <laughs> and the first thing to pop up was AMDA, and that's where I went. I got my bachelor's there. And uh, after right after college, I started producing. That was that was when I was like, I sort of like being on this side of the table rather than, you know, be uh, being an actor is fantastic. Like, yeah. I think there's some really awesome people that find great a great groove with that but um for me it was more about the creating on the other side and that ties into my next question which is <laughs> can you talk about what uh what swinging with the mouse is and when inspired it yes so swinging with the mouse is an album that celebrates the music of disney through the lens of jazz. And I, again, I was a trumpet major in college. So I was in a Latin jazz band there. I was in the swing band there in high school. I was in the bands as well. Um, and I grew up with a very um, eclectic grouping of genres. <laughs> My parents are Guatemalan. So the Latin side of things sort of are what, what, what started me off. Um, and going, you know, going to school and learning about all the different styles of jazz, um, I sort of became interested in how one thing influences the other. And Disney has a lot of jazz influence. If you look back in, in its history, a lot of the songs are either written in jazz or written by jazz cats, people that, you know, are primarily jazz performers or writers. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it was a beautiful marriage, uh, Disney and jazz. And it's not the only thing that, you know, that the series has done. We're mostly a live series, but uh, this is the first recorded project. And I thought, what better than Disney jazz? Um, and it features some really, really cool performers that are all alumni of, of like Disney projects. And it's a show too when quarantine isn't happening, right? It's a what? It's a show too when quarantine isn't happening. Right, right. It is a show. I have not said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a show. It is a show that plays in LA at the Rockwell, in New York at 54 Below. Um, I just, I have a bunch of very talented friends, fortunately, that are willing to to get silly with me and, and try silly ideas on on songs that we supposedly already know. Um, the whole the whole idea is to sort of reinvent uh, the familiar. And jazz and Disney just works. It just works, yeah. yeah. It just comes together. It really does. Yeah. Um, going back to your uh, performing on stage for you, what character that you've gotten to play in a musical, whether it's been at Rockwell or somewhere else, has been your favorite to play? Funny enough. And I think this probably speaks to the whole like why I moved over to producing. <laughs> but funny enough, I think my favorite role to date is Frankenstein or the creature in, in Young Frankenstein. 
because uh, he has the least amount of lines that anyone <laughs> would ever play has. <laughs> it's mostly like groaning and screaming. But, um, it's great. I think uh, the creature, there's something very tender about that big dude. And um, it was fun to try to replicate or, or to honor what Peter Boyle did in the movie and, you know, Shuler Hensley did on, on Broadway. Um, it's fun. Who was your musical theater uh, idol or role model and why? Okay, so among character actors, I feel like Nathan Lane is up there. Uh, he's, he's just got it down. He's got every, he's got his character down and he knows how to use that for any character that he plays. You know, um, he knows how to be Nathan Lane without interrupting the show, but also letting people know I'm Nathan Lane, I'm here to play, you know. Um, I find it, I find it that any actor that does that, I, I really admire. And there are a lot of people out there that, that really put themselves on stage and let themselves inform characters. Uh, Nathan Lane, again, is one of them. Brian Darcy James, not only because he played Shrek, but uh, <laughs> um, um, Brian Darcy James is another one that just gets up there and is Brian Darcy James. But even if, if he puts on an accent or if he puts on a silly costume, uh, you still get the essence of a of a real person, you know? Yeah. And I think I admire, though I admire my ingenues and leading men as well, I think character actors have finally found a different light than just playing the wacky, crazy characters, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, lady people are great, but that, I mean, there's certain people who like capture your attention completely on stage and yeah. you just think about their performances for months and months following. Yeah. Had, when, you're, when you're gonna perform in something, which, I mean, I know you're getting into more producing now, but, mm -hmm. How would you go about preparing for an audition? Preparing for an audition, I think it depends part to part. You know, something at the Rockwell, I have prepared when, when I was auditioning for Rockwell shows, I would have to find my best 32 bar um, rock or pop audition song um, and try to reinvent it to sort of land as a funny, you know, a, a joke, um, but I'm not gonna do that if I'm auditioning for like, I don't know, guys and, I mean, guys and dolls. Yeah, I guess I can, <laughs> bad, bad, bad example. But uh, there are shows where you just don't do that, you know? Yeah. If you're going in for West Side Story, you're gonna try to sing, you're gonna sing like a more golden age tune or an operetta that shows off vocals because that shows about vocals. Um, but it really, it truly depends on on the show you're going in for, material is very important. And choosing something that the person behind the table is gonna say, hey, that's a smart idea. I don't wanna hear Idlewise for the 57th time today. I wanna hear like the legit version of Creep by Radiohead. I don't know. I've, you just mix it up and give them a show because the whole point of an audition is to give the people that can give you a job a show, you know? Or like for girls, like I've heard uh, stories about like wicked being overused. 
Yeah, there are, I mean, there are, yeah, there are songs that you just don't do. Yeah. You know, they're just songs. I, I was very humbled in college when one of my teachers, Nick DeGruccio, who's a director here in LA, um, it, it was ingrained in me that I can't sing Idlewise at auditions. And I know that's wrong. I know there is a place for Idlewise from Sound of Music. I thought I sounded great on it. And I thought I blew the whole room away. <laughs> Turns out he's heard it a billion times. And I was like, ah, all right, I guess. It's just Sound of Music is too well known. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's too well known. <laughs> I mean, it's like the first, I think it's like the first musical movie I got introduced to by like my music teacher when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> um, since the industry is known for being like so tough, what, uh, how do you work on self-confidence? Sure, that's a good question. Uh, it's not easy. It is not easy. <clears throat> there, I guess there are many ways to go about it. There are many ways to sort of find therapy. There's legit therapy, which I've tried. Um, there's music therapy, which you could find your own genre of music that speaks to you. There's food therapy, which I've tried. Um, <laughs> there's there's like all kinds. kinds. <laughs> yeah. There are many ways to sort of get around the big sad. Um, we just have to find our way around it. I think a lot of people, and not just in the theater industry, uh, find that it's easier, or they don't find, they actually, it's, it's just easier to like wallow in sadness than it is to find your way out of it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things that sort of helps, I would say, is communicating your sadness, because we all feel sadness. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, I, I feel sadness, the people on Broadway feel sadness, the people that aren't, uh, you know, in the audience feel sadness, we all feel it. Uh, it's just a matter of communicating with your circle of people, be it friends, family, just have somebody um, and work through it work through it because we all feel it and we could all get out of it does it like help in an essence to learn to not compare yourself to others yes okay. I've, I've killed myself time and time again walking out of an audition and being like that person sounds more like a singer than i do or that you know that table left more at their joke when in reality, it could have been about something completely different that had nothing to do with the line read. Um, it, you know, in that example, it, it, if you compare yourself to somebody, it's all, you're always gonna end up feeling like well, the one below, you know? Um, because that's just the way that we work, I guess, as, yeah. as sensitive souls. Um, so the best way to get to not feel like that is just to not think like that, I think. I agree. <laughs> Trying, <laughs> learning. learning. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It, it's, it's difficult. If you could give your younger self any advice about, like, this industry, what you're doing now, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, I think that <clears throat> I would tell my younger self not to wait. Um, I've always been very creative. I've always been very 
um, you know, uh, I've, I've always been different to the people around me, not, not always in a positive way, um, but I've always found a way to like make Pablo be Pablo and try to not get influenced by everybody else. And because of that, I've always felt that some people don't take me in the way that I would want them to. And I've held back. Um, so I think what I would say to myself is, hey, dude, handsome young man, don't hold back. Just be yourself and move forward and push through whatever feelings you're feeling. You're only going to grow from whatever you try. You know, I, I didn't end up being the greatest trumpet player in the world, but because I play trumpet, I'm now producing some really cool, cool to me, uh, jazz projects that, you know, I wouldn't have if I didn't have that. So I took that, I ran with the trumpet for a couple of years, but then I handed myself off to theater performing, and then I handed myself off to producing. So it's just about pushing through, about um, finding yourself through your now. That's good advice. <laughs> if you could work with any other actor or actress, whether it's a Broadway actor, a TV film actor, anyone, if you could cast anyone in anything or uh, ask anyone to join what you're producing, who would it be? You're going to hate me for this answer. Uh-oh. But... <laughs> Anybody that's willing to like put in the work and to make it fun, you know, make it happen. It doesn't matter if it's a comedy or something dramatic or something sad or whatever it may be, as long as the person is having fun and, in, and, and spreading joy through their work on set or through a screen, I think that's that's the kind of working out the the kind of person I want to work with, and a, a speaking therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, I mean, I mean that too. To be honest, <laughs> sometimes my words just go. Ah! <laughs> and it's like Becca, what? Yeah. <laughs> like it's like my brain is thinking one thing, and my mouth wants to say something else. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and my brain doesn't know what my mouth is saying. And <laughs> <laughs> live theater eventually comes back. How do you think it's going to be different than it was before? Um, I mean, I I have no clue. I have no clue. What I will say is that whatever comes, we have to embrace, um, because it is our current reality. And as sad as that may sound, I think it is more of a, um, I mean, it's, it gives me more hope if people are, you know, embracing what we do have. I'm not much for virtual versus live, but it's what we have. And that's all we could enjoy, you know? We can't really, we can't get together. Um, so we have to embrace it and we have to push through it. And once we get to the next step, if it means that we're all in cubicles at a theater, we have to embrace it. Um, and we, sh I mean, we shouldn't complain. I get it's easy to complain. I do it myself, plenty. But um, 
but it's it's counterproductive and and um we should be celebrating what we have now in the now you know and the fact that hopefully most of us are healthy right now right i mean i mean thank god that within my circle we're sort of i'm, I'm finding that people try to um maintain their their well-being um very very few times have i seen that somebody within my circle has been out to like a bar or something yeah. i think within our circle there's mostly people that want <laughs> <laughs> that would rather not risk you know if this is all fake or whatever other people are saying yeah there's no reason to risk um, they just want to get back <laughs> yeah i just want to get back to work i want to get back to having fun i want to go to a bar i want to go to a restaurant we can't not yeah right so like, but this is fun people. <laughs> this is fun i love this i mean virtual the new re the new reality <laughs> <laughs> there's so many like virtual shows being planned nowadays yeah which i mean i'm down for it you don't have to get on a plane and travel to see hey we get to see our favorite broadway and movie people from home we their homes and we get to like speak directly to them if they just to speak to our comment. Like, whoever would have imagined that like Christine Berinsky and Meryl Streep and Audrey McDonald would get together to sing Ladies Who Lunch from their home. Like you, you wouldn't have, you couldn't have written that like six months ago. Yeah. You know? People would be like Zoom? Zoom call? Yeah, Zoom? <laughs> That show from the 90s? <laughs> that show. I love that show. That's what I thought of at first. Um, <laughs> so, my last question on my list, but I have one more after this, is uh, what advice would you give yeah. to young performers? Much like I would tell myself, keep pushing, I tell you, young performers, keep pushing. Um, it's a bigger and brighter world because we have everybody we have in it. And if you have a light to shine, which by the way, everybody does, um, it's your duty as a human being, but also your right to choose to shine it. Um, and the brighter that we all shine, the brighter the world is. And that doesn't mean you have to perform. Um, if performing is your calling, that's great. If performing is a hobby, that's awesome. If you are just an admirer of the arts, that's fantastic. But we all have our purpose. And it's just a matter of us pushing through and finding what that is. If a performer wanted to get into the behind the scenes work in uh, theater or any, anything in the entertainment mm -hmm. industry, what advice would you give them? Do anything and do everything with honor. Like do stuff honorably. If you have to sweep the floors, sweep the floors. If you have to go get coffee, get coffee. But be the best coffee grabber that you can be. Sweep the best broom that you can. And then <laughs> you'll start reading sides at auditions. And then you'll start checking people in at auditions. And then you'll start giving your opinion at auditions. 
and then you'll be asked to direct something. You know, it, there's no one way to skin the cat. There are many ways to get into it, but I think the most important thing to remember is that we should be honored that we are any part of it. Um, and support. I think uh, a, a big part of it is supporting. It's, it's hard to go out, especially now, but it's hard to go out once a week, twice a week to see shows. Um, I'm speaking to the wrong person because Becca, you see every single <laughs> show you can. Um, but for somebody who wants to get behind the table, it's important to know people that are involved in the world that you want to be involved in. And, and their appreciation. Um, the, yeah, and support it. Just honest, heartfelt support is, um, is big. And my last question is, what's the first thing you're going to do once this whole quarantine thing ends? The first thing I will do as a human being is probably like get together with some friends. Um, after we have, you know, sure quarantine will end, but we may wait still a couple of weeks just for safety. But as a human, I just want to see other people. I just want to <laughs> hang out with people. Um, creatively, I feel like I will just continue what I've been doing throughout quarantine. I, I took a chance to, um, to try something new. The recording aspect of my projects has now come to be. I waited so long and it came together. And it only took me being stuck in a room for two months to be like, let me try this. Um, so I think I'm gonna honor that and continue with other versions of the project that I so luckily and um, happily put together through quarantine. So in like two, three more months, volume two, maybe? I can't speak on that just yet. <laughs> I am working on it. I am working on it. <laughs> okay. I am working on a volume two, and I'm also working on a volume one of another oh. genre. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Like so, another and genre? one that I think you will like very much. Okay. But um, but yeah, that is yeah, it's not Disney, but you know, um, another another genre. So. That I think I know where you're going. Hopefully later this year. Oh, well, that's exciting stuff. <laughs> Some yeah. So, uh, where where can people follow you on social media to see past projects you've worked on or to keep up with future projects? Sure. So currently, you can visit me on Instagram at Pablo Rossil. That's spelled P A B L O. R-O-S-S-I-L. Um, that's Instagram. I don't think I have a Twitter. I don't know. But I do have an Instagram. Um, and the website to visit for these swinging projects is swingingmusic.com. That's swinging without that second G, music.com. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs>